Welcome to the Being Challenge. We're gonna take the next eight weeks and let God shape us and encourage one another to be more like Jesus. Now, in the Bible, there's a couple of different images for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It starts in the Gospels, these books that are written among God's people, and they talk about being disciples. Now, disciple was a very important term. It was a, a literal term that meant something in the society of Jesus' day. You had rabbis who were the teachers of God's law and truth, and you had disciples who were followers of certain rabbis. Now, to be a disciple meant more than just learning what your rabbi knew so that you knew what he knew. It meant literally trying to live your life the way the rabbi lived his life. They even had a saying. The saying was this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, you were following your rabbi so closely every minute of the day that the dust his sandals kicked up from the road was all over you. The goal was, again, to be like your rabbi. So when it comes to following Jesus, the image was very clear for the people of Jesus' day. Their goal wasn't just to learn facts or things about God from Jesus, to know what Jesus knew. Their goal was to live the way Jesus lived, to look like Jesus. Now, as the Apostle Paul uh, starts to take that message of the good news of what Jesus has done for us all to a broader audience outside of the land of Israel, to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews, Paul knew that that disciple imagery wouldn't be as easily understood. They weren't familiar with the rabbi disciple. And so instead, Paul shifts the image, and he talks about the family of God. And when it comes to growing more like Jesus, specifically, that's the term he uses. He talks about growing, like growing up. One time, uh, not that long ago, my sister and I were at a Cubs baseball game, and they were giving away these kind of bucket-style hats. It's the kind of hat my grandfather used to wear. And, uh, and so I put on that bucket-style hat, and uh, my sister took one look at me and went, oh my gosh, you look so much like Grandpa. I'll, uh, I'll show you a picture here. You can, you can make your own determination. But I'll tell you, when she said that to me, I got a big grin on my face. The thought that, that I would look like my grandpa was pretty cool for me because I, I loved my grandpa and not just how he looked. I loved how he lived. I loved how kind he was. I loved that he had a great sense of humor. He always had a smile on his face. I loved the fact that he was, he was gentle and caring. So for my sister to say to me that I looked like grandpa, it was a pretty big compliment. That's the image that Paul uses for us as followers of Jesus. He says that we're to grow up to be like Jesus. Now, as I said, over these next couple of months, these next eight weeks, we're going to work together through something called the Being Challenge by Pastor Zach Zender. It's going to be 40 days of reading and uh, six weeks of small group study and eight weeks of sermons. This is the first one. All towards that goal of helping us be disciples who live and look like their rabbi or children 
who grow up to be like their parents. We want to be like Jesus. And as you know, that's the goal of our church, not just for these eight weeks. Our mission is to look, live, and love more like Jesus every day. And these next two months are going to help us do that. Now, today, to kind of kick this off, we want to take a look at a, something that Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians. And uh, I want to look at some specific verses with you. We're going to start in chapter 4, right with the first verse, and look at a number of verses in chapter 4. On the first verse, he starts with these words. He says, now remember, this is Paul writing. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, let me pause there for just a second. Literally, Paul was a prisoner in Rome, in a Roman prison when he was writing this letter. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul says, I want to I beg you, in view of what God has done for you, kind of like the Romans verses we just looked, like, looked at in our All In series. He says, I, I want to beg you to, to live a life that is worthy of your calling. I don't know how many of you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan when it was out. It was the story of a, a platoon in Europe during World War II, and they had the goal of finding Private Ryan. You see, Ryan had a number of brothers who were also fighting in World War II, and all of them had already died. He was the only one left. And so the powers that be, having mercy on Ryan's parents, thought, they needed at least one son to survive the war, so they sent this platoon in to find and save, to bring out Private Ryan. A number of the men in this platoon gave their lives, died in that pursuit. And uh, even the platoon commander, played by Tom Hanks at the very end, he's, he's near death. And with his last words, he gestures for Ryan to lean over so he can whisper in his ear, and he says this to him, he says, Earn this. Earn it. And at the very end of the movie, we see Private Ryan standing at the grave of that soldier saying, I hope I earned it. I, I hope I lived my life in a way that showed the sacrifice that you and your fellow soldiers made for me was worth it. That's the image that Paul is using here. He, he's saying, you know, Jesus left the glory of heaven and he, he lived a perfect life here on this earth and he gave that life on the cross for us. He says, in view of that, show that, try to live a life that is worthy of that calling, worthy of this calling to follow Jesus. He, he then goes on to say this. I'm skipping ahead to verse 11 now. He says, now there are gifts that God has given to his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. He's talking about the kind of the church staff of his day. I, I imagine if he were writing today, he might say things like youth leaders and uh, worship directors and pastors. But then listen what he says. He says their responsibility, their job is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that a church staff, it's their job to do ministry, and, and the rest of us that aren't on staff, it's our job to be served by that staff. But that's not the image Paul uses here at all. He says we all have a role to play. We're all part 
of the mission. And, and professional church workers, it's their job to equip all of us for that work so that the body of Christ is built up so that we can grow together. Folks, that's why people like your small group leaders are so important. They don't get paid to be small group leaders, but they're there to help you be more like Jesus. And, and our staff is there to equip those small group leaders and come alongside of those, and those small group leaders and coach them and, and help them do that job so that all of us together can grow. And then he, he says this, and, and now I'm skipping ahead to verse 13, and I also want to point out something in verse 15. He says, our job is to measure up to the full stature of Christ. Wow, let me stop there for just a second. I remember when I was growing up, and uh, I was starting to get a little taller. I went through kind of that growth spurt that happens. For me, it happened uh, kind of between seventh and eighth grade. You know, in, in sixth grade, I was a guard on the basketball team. By, by eighth grade, I was a center on the basketball team. I had grown a lot. But I, I remember it was really important to me to know that exact moment when I was taller than my dad. And, uh, and, and I remember there were a lot of times during that few months there where dad would get home from work and I'd kind of be waiting for him and go, okay, come on, get your shoes off, let's go, let's get back to back. And we would stand kind of back to back like that and I would kind of go like this to see, was I there yet? Was I taller than my dad? That's kind of the image here again that, that Paul uses. He says that the goal in our lives is that, um, again, I'll read the first full verse, that we will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete, this translation says, standard of Christ. We want to measure up. We want to be more like Jesus. That's the goal. And then in verse 15, he says this. He's talking about all these different competing truths in the world around us. And he said, but, but among us, in God's family, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, I don't know about you, but that idea of trying to measure up to Jesus, that's pretty intimidating, isn't it? That idea of trying to grow more and more like Jesus, this side of heaven, and not even in heaven, do I feel like I will ever attain that. But that's the journey that we're on together. And, and you can't get there all at once. You can't go on that kind of growth spurt. It's every day, just a little bit and a little bit, and sometimes maybe we make progress and sometimes maybe we backslide. But the goal is, together, we're all working to measure up to Jesus, to grow in every way like Jesus. That's our goal. That's what God is doing in our lives. Now, the question is why? Well, three things. First of all, I just alluded to it in, in that verse 14 and leading into verse 15. He's talking about the fact that there are just so many competing truths in the world. Now, this was Paul writing 2,000 years ago, and he said, he's basically saying, it's hard to know what to believe these days. Boy, can we relate. It seems like just about any subject out there, from something as simple as whether coffee is good for you or not, or whether getting vaccinated is good for you or not. It, it seems like you can find different opinions on every one of those things out there. 
And that's especially true when it comes to how we're supposed to live our lives, how we're supposed to treat one another. There's lots of different truths out there. But Paul says the way that we know the truth, God's truth, is by being more like Jesus. Then we won't be tossed to and fro anymore, he says. And there's a second reason why we want to be more like Jesus. In verse 16, he says it this way. He says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me take two of those first. Healthy and full of love. You see, the more we're like Jesus, each one of us, the more God's family is healthy and full of love because that's really what our mission is. That's our calling, to be that reflection of God's love to the world around us. And if, and if we're going to be part of a church that is healthy, the way we get there is by being more like Jesus. And if we're going to be part of a church that is loving, the way we get there is by being more like Jesus. Unfortunately, we've probably all seen examples of churches that weren't healthy, that were broken and dysfunctional. Or we've seen examples of churches that weren't loving. In fact, they were legalistic and judgmental. But when you look at the members of those churches, they don't look a lot like Jesus, do they? Now, our goal as a church family is to be more like Jesus, and as a result, our church family is healthy it's full of love. But here's the third reason. It's that word I skipped over. The goal for the church is that it's growing. You know that there are certain ways that you can know whether something's alive or not. And, uh, and one of the ways that you can tell is, is growth happening? Now, unfortunately, as a human being, when you get to a certain age, you don't want growth to happen anymore. I've got Hair growing on my ears. That never used to happen before. That's not the kind of growth we're talking about. Again, we're talking about growing more like Jesus. And when we grow more like Jesus, that means our body of faith, our church family will be growing. In other words, when people see the love of Jesus reflected in us, they want to come be a part of that. They want to come experience that. A growing church is a church on Christ's mission, and the way we get there is by growing more like Jesus. So I've got one last encouragement for you as we begin this, this journey together, these eight weeks, this being challenged so that we can be more like Jesus. If you're not already signed up for it, get in a small group. Now, you may say, well, I don't think I need a small group. I can, I can grow more like Jesus just reading the book and my own time with God. And maybe that's true, but did you ever think about the fact that if you don't need a small group, maybe that small group needs you? Maybe you could play an important role in helping others grow? And the reality is, in fact, I would challenge you. I think we all need that encouragement. Again, back to Ephesians 16, he says, as each part does its own special work, he makes the body grow. The growth comes from God, but it happens as each one of us, all of us, together, do what God has called us to do. So please, get in a small group. And before I end the message today, I want to give you a chance to hear one story 
of a powerful eternal difference being in a small group made in the life of one of the members of our Trinity Church family. I'd like you to hear Pat's story. Watch this. So several years ago, I was in a small group and part of every meeting, we were encouraged to identify people who did not know Jesus so that we could uh, pray for them and encourage each other to build a relationship with them so that we could share Jesus. And in my case, that was my dad. Uh, growing up, my dad took us to church every Sunday, but somewhere along the line, he lost his faith. We talked about that in the meeting and prayed, and the next meeting came along, and someone in the group said, so Pat, did you talk with your dad? And I'm like, uh, no, I did not talk to my dad. Even though I had an opportunity to talk with him that week, I did not. So I knew before the next meeting I was going to talk with my dad because I didn't want to show up again and say, no, I didn't talk with my dad. So I went to visit him in the nursing home and uh, we sat down and we talked. And I told him that I wanted him to be in heaven with me and we had a great conversation and I am convinced that he is in heaven because of that conversation and because someone in the group cared enough to hold me accountable. And so I'm grateful for that person, I'm grateful for that group, and I'm grateful that they held me accountable to have that conversation and to share Jesus with my dad so that I could spend eternity with him in heaven. The question about um, if I had had the conversation with my dad when I had not, you know, it wasn't a condemning question. It was, it was one of love and concern, just wanting to encourage me and, you know, hold me accountable to do what I said I wanted to do. It was something that I wanted to do, and, and that accountability was perfect. And in my case, you know, it was, a, it was a, an eternal um, piece of accountability that had eternal difference. Boy, Pat, thank you for sharing that incredible story. And what a blessing it was for Pat to be part of that group and through that encouragement from that, from that group, have that kind of life-changing conversation with his dad. Folks, we say it, as Pat said in the video all the time, you can't grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. God created us to grow more like Jesus, but he created us to do that in community. So, so get in a small group. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in our church family over this being challenged over these next eight weeks. May God bless you and bless us all as we seek to be more like Jesus.